Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. What's up, everyone? And welcome to another special episode of IndiePod, where we get to talk to the people behind some of our favorite indie games. Today, we have Joseph Hughes, the developer behind the upcoming title known as Curse Crackers. Thanks for joining. Happy to be here. Thanks for inviting me. I'm excited. I'm very excited, too. I, I love the enthusiasm. Um, I'm glad you could make it. Like we do on every episode, I always want to start these off with the people behind the games rather than the games themselves. So I want to get to know a little bit about you. So Joseph, tell me kind of how did you first get started? Where did game creation start for you? Oh, goodness gracious. Um, I was always really into games. I was one of those kids that grew up with the uh, limited access to video games. So they, uh -huh. they held a, a much longer lifetime of mystique in my eyes. So the second I got a hold of uh, games with scenario editors and stuff like that, I got really into it. Yeah, um, yeah. I've always been into storytelling, and I wrote books when I was much younger. So it became kind of a natural transition of I love games and I love telling stories, and this is a fantastic medium to do that. Yeah, yeah. I love it. Um at what point was this something where you started out, you know, uh, say some kind of other profession and then down the road said, you know, I want to give this video game thing a try? Or was this something that you always knew from the get go that you were going to be passionate about and and build around your life? I think I've always been passionate about games in general and like the the idea of what I enjoyed about them, what I thought was a good choice and a bad choice in terms of a game's design. But I never really got into it from the perspective of I want to make games until mm -hmm. later. Before that, it was more about like, oh, I have a lot of fun making maps or challenges for my friends to play with map editors and things like that. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. at some point that flipped when it when I realized that this might be a much more effective way to do storytelling and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Very cool. Was that realization of this might be a cooler way. Was that your your uh, more recent game before this one? Or were there other projects beforehand? So before Prodigal, I had done, I had finished one other game, excuse me, and I had um, started another one. The other mm. one is something we still have to go back to and finish. We haven't been able to because it's a much more extensive project than we can feasibly take on at this stage. Gotcha. But both of those, I was kind of doing stuff on my own. And I finally found some people that I wanted to make a static team with. And at that point, we kind of made our new company and picked a name out and picked our first project. And we kicked things off from there. Yeah, that's awesome. With Prodigal, was that a uh, like a solo dev project then? And then what's coming next no, is more of this team? 
Prodigal was the team for sure. Okay, okay, um, gotcha. Before that, I had done the box and started Xenocyte Clad. Xenocyte Clad involved people. The box included people. Um, I had never done stuff as a solo dev. Uh, I I think I would make terrible games if I was a solo <laughs> dev. Because golly, am I I am super fortunate because I have some stupidly talented people that I get to work with and. They're great at giving me feedback on what I'm doing and making my ideas better than they would be on their own. So <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, some people uh, they they thrive on just doing it on their own, but there's a lot of people who are much better with collaboration. It sounds like that's the case. Um, about how how big is the team right now? Um, right now, it actually just got a little bit bigger because we had to get two extra pixel artists to help. Uh, help us make our deadlines with this game. Right. So at the moment, we have four pixel artists, three of which are part-time. We have Lou, who's our, our lead pixel artist. He's full-time. We have Crystal doing our digital and concept art. And then we have John Sinclair still doing music, just like he's always done for me. So Very nice, very nice. And what yeah. would you say your main role is on, on the team? Like, are you... You know the lead developer. You the main brains behind the the system. Like, what role do you play when it oh, comes gosh. to this game? Um, I I don't want to feel like I'm tooting my own horn too too much, but I'm I'm the lead developer, so I'm in charge of pulling the game together, making sure everything looks right, feels right, do the code, sto general story stuff. Uh, with this game, I'm doing all the writing with the help of Lou and some of the others, giving me feedback on what sounds good, what sounds bad. Um, so I'm yeah. a man, I'm a man of many hats on the project. Yeah. That's a, that's a reoccurring theme when it comes to indie games. So yeah, I, I think, don't doubt it. I think you have to when you're indie, cause it's not like we can afford to have 50 people to divvy out all those different tasks to, we have to kind of fill the gaps ourselves. <laughs> yeah, I definitely agree. Um, I did want to talk, you know, we've been mentioning that you've had a couple of other projects before this one. Um, and I did want to talk just about specifically like the difference between Prodigal and this one. Um, they have similar in their more retro type style look, you know, you, you get like that pixel art type feel to it. So it feels older school, but has this new features to it. Right. Whereas your initial one that I, I mentioned before had more of this kind of SNES or NES vibe and this one feels more like Game Boy Color like was there a reason for jumping to that or am I just looking more into this so so both of them we kind of designed with the idea of Game Boy Color we were taking inspiration from different Game Boy or Game Boy Color games and trying to develop a style based around that gotcha uh, with Prodigal we were definitely breaking a couple of rules here and there with <laughs> with Curse Crackers we're a hundred percent breaking some rules here and there but we want it to feel like you're playing an old Game Boy Color game. Yeah. So for those who don't know anything about Curse Crackers, what what would you tell someone um, if this was your elevator pitch or the first time that they had seen it? Like, how would you hype someone up for it? Curse Crackers is a adventure platformer where your poor boyfriend gets kidnapped by your longtime rival and you got to go, got to go rescue him. And the story certainly has its twists and turns and it's not going to end with just rescuing your boyfriend. So there's, mm. there's plenty to experience and discover. 
Wow. Interesting. All right. I love the, uh, the, the plot twists here. Um, let's, let's talk about, you have a very interesting cast of characters. You had the same when it comes to your previous titles, you seemingly aren't really borrowing too many characters. I I don't see a, a repeat in a lot of these that have been shown. Um, where are you pulling inspiration when it comes to building out this story, right? You said you like to create these stories. Where are you looking? So for a lot of them, for me, it's encountering different things. Uh, hmm. It can be anything from a song to some person who's rude at the grocery store that I'm watching be a jerk to somebody else. It's just <laughs> all those random little things that can happen in life. I'm paying attention and thinking about like, oh, well, what could this be like? What if I did this to it? Like uh, Amadeus is a pretty major character in Prodigal. And he was, he came from a song. I heard a song and it really stuck in my head. And I was like, dude, this song is sweet. And I could just see this guy walking to it. And it's just little things like that, that inspire me to start creating certain characters. And then uh, I pass it off to Scooter Crystal. Uh, Scoot's who we worked with on Prodigal to do all the concepts. Uh-huh. and uh may still in the future but he does they do some great work and they bring those ideas to life and really flush them out interesting that i mean it must be is this something because i, I always like the idea of of creation when it comes to story because i think that there's a lot of elements where it can kind of stack onto it and you might not know say uh beginning to end the full story when you first start and sit down and think about this right is this something where you mentioned these random encounters these random experiences in life kind of shaping the way is this something where you took those experiences to create something and then you start creating the game or is this something where you kind of have a vague idea of what you want the story right you have this idea of girl's boyfriend is kidnapped and you have to save him, right? Is this something where you go from there and then layer that on? Or is it something where you throughout the entire process had some kind of start to finish idea? So generally we have something that we're starting the game off and that's generally the core of the story. But something Mm -hmm. that we like to do is we like to add in some additional characters and depth to the world that are through just additional dialogue, side quests, or extra challenges. And that helps the world feel a little bit less like going from point A to point B to finish the game because you're always going to discover more things here and there from these different little folks standing around. They have more to say than just, hey, they they have their own stories and their own stuff going on. And that's where a lot of that inspiration goes into is those little encounters with strangers. Yeah, yeah. So very similar to, you know, you encountering those in your real everyday life to putting those into the game and making it more of a fleshed out world. Yeah, exactly. Very cool. Very cool. Um, Let's talk a little bit about uh, the actual characters themselves, because uh, I I think some of them are very interesting. You kind of mentioned, I forget the wording you used, but it was your your companion uh, being... Uh like kind of out of ordinary or something to that nature. Can you talk a little bit about who this seemingly like floating, it's kind of like a balloon in some areas, um, but it's just this creature that's constantly following you. Can you talk about who you are and who your companions are in this game? So Belle is a ex 
acrobat for the circus and chime is her sentient inanimate object that has become animate and has all sorts of attitude and character he's a cute little fella and he, he helps you out uh you'll feed him different magical baked goods and it'll <laughs> give him different powers uh you can throw him and he'll bounce around walls with a this is fine face and pop enemies he's uh He's a very useful tool in Bell's arsenal, and he's he's very fun to look at because he's got a lot of expression to him. Lou's done a really good job animating him. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, would you say that your character generally is pretty like, I don't want to say normal, but like a lot of the interactions or the gameplay mechanics are going to come through your sentient uh, companion there then? I think I think a lot of the more wacky magical stuff comes through Chime. Uh, yeah. In our world, we're in a world of mages. And so okay. all these different people around you are different magical races. And when you're born, you either take after your mother or your father's race and all this sort of stuff. But every once in a while, there are these unfortunate souls that are born and they're the ungifted. They have no magic whatsoever. And mm. Belle, unfortunately, is one of those people. So she's closed that gap for herself by being quite impressive with her acrobatics and her agility. So she's got a lot of moves in her arsenal, but none of them are particularly magical or wacky. A lot of that comes through with chime. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, And I think that goes into one of my next questions, which is really when it comes to you building a game that is a platformer, I feel like platformers are generally uh, a, a very um very abundant genre there's a lot of games that people will create that have platformer mechanics to them just because it's it's something that you know is widely used across uh, a ton of games just because that's the nature of video games right but when it comes to a game that is pushing that platformer aspect you usually want something that kind of is that standout right and i think for you one big standout is the story obviously but what would you say when someone looks at this and says like oh it's a platformer game what would you say is your main kind of takeaways your things that say like hey we're not just a platformer we have xyz or we do it really well or whatever it is right what's your your selling points i guess so outside of the story um i would definitely say it's the adventure aspect that's why we're calling it an adventure platformer is Mm -hmm. you have so think back of the old Mario games, you'd have that overworld map that was basically just an avenue to go from level to level, having a level select, right? Right. So with us, we're going to have different passive zones, different towns, people's homes, all these different things that you can visit, play little mini games, talk to people, take on quests or challenges specific to those people. And you get a lot more to do and a lot more mileage out of the game than you would if it was just level to level to level. Interesting. Yeah. Um, okay. We're also trying to bring in the the elements with Chime where you're collecting the ingredients for these different baked goods and then you're feeding them to him to find different secrets and explore areas more thoroughly than you may have been able to the first few times, kind of like a Metroidvania. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is this going to be something? Because I, I noticed that you have that overworld uh overworld excuse me and there are like numbers to indicate levels it seems like is this something where you're you're creating you know these these baked goods or getting these extra powers and then you're going back to levels and kind of backtracking to to try and get those secrets so as you're playing through the game you're going to encounter 
chests that have different objects in them. And one of those objects is like the last ingredient needed by a very talented baker named Claire. And once you've given her that ingredient, she'll be, she'll have that aha moment and know how to cook that from then on. And she'll have Mm. different places on in levels or in the passive areas where she'll offer you the baked good that you may want. So you only really have to get the ingredient once. It's not like we're going to require people to go out and grind a bunch of flour and chocolate powder and stuff. You only need to find (laughs) the thing once. Right. But once you find that, then you can go back to those levels and have access to that in those specific locations. Absolutely. Gotcha. Okay. I mean, that, that sounds great. I love the idea of giving yourself that backtracking making it that more of an adventure of, you know, unlocking new abilities to change certain outcomes of the game. I think that's super cool. Um, Another super cool aspect that I I really love is just boss fights and adding to not just, you know, going from point A to point B. But uh, I recently saw on Twitter, one of your posts showed off some of the combat for a boss where you seem to be bouncing around, kind of trying to avoid damage. And then in between having this moment of kind of like a like a DDR, like a pattern combination to defeat the boss. Uh, and do damage to them and i thought that was super cool because it it adds you know an extra layer of what you actually have to do for the game is this something where you know you're trying to uh, come up with these different mechanics for each of these bosses is it something that we're going to see repeated for each boss like what what can we expect when it comes to boss fights so with all the bosses we're trying to make them feel different in their own way so Mm -hmm. the guitar mechanic is strictly for the guitar boss um gotcha and for the other bosses they'll have their own thing going on whether that's something more tuned into chime or into bell um or as in the case with the guitar fellow something that's totally their own thing uh we'll we'll have to see when people get their hands on the game but (laughs) you know we we're trying to make sure that none of the bosses feel too similar yeah so that was okay that's that's an example of us trying to do that to make sure that 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 rocker fellow has his own identity and is memorable in his own little way. Yeah, yeah, I think that makes sense. Um, how I guess, you know, thinking of how many different bosses and not trying to make it feel samey, how many uh, bosses or, you know, levels in general are we thinking about when we talk about this game, right? Is this going to be something that has just expansive amounts of worlds? Is this something where it's, uh, you know, the adventure is really going to those different towns? Like, what is taking up a majority of that time? We may run into a similar issue we ran into with Prodigal, where we have what we refer to as the base game, and then we have what will be the post game. Mm. Uh, The base game is going to have five worlds of five levels each. They will each Mm -hmm. have a mid boss and then a final boss. The rocker is an example of what you can expect from a final boss. Okay. And then the mid bosses are generally something that's a little simpler or something that's hooked into the level mechanics rather than them being too extravagant on their own. Gotcha. They're also a little bit easier, so... Right. I think that makes sense. Now, would you say, uh, you know, you talked about having that overworld uh, as well as either like a town or some place where you're, uh, you know, a little bit more uh, relaxed and just experiencing the world around you. Are there going to be, is it like one town per world? Is it, you know, there's just multiple locations inside those levels? What does that look like? So with each, uh, what we're calling world, like the 
like think of Sonic, how you'd have zones. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, for, yeah. so for each zone, we have at least one passive thing to explore. Okay. Uh, some of them will have hidden little points of interest you can go in and investigate and look around. But at least one obvious uh, little spot to go into, whether it's a town, we have a bunny girl tavern uh, run by the Harthen. Um, we have the big town. We have Bell's house. We have a shop cart that you may have seen in the trailer with a mm-hmm, big dog mm-hmm. that pulls it around. So, okay, lots so, of cool, fun stuff to see. Yeah, yeah, very true. Um, and it's also mentioned on your Steam page that you have multiple game modes, which I want to talk about because how how different does gameplay change up with these these modes? So with adventure mode, our goal was to, you know, let people have their adventure and not let certain things like lives or game overs get in the way. Gotcha. As old school gamers, we definitely like having that element of, oh, no, I'm running out of lives. This is hard. I don't want to restart. It's, It's kind of a classic. So we've implemented one thing called arcade mode where you will still have those lives and the levels are played in a clean sequence. So you're not quite doing all the same exploratory or backtracking stuff you would do in adventure. You're just trying to go from point A to point B. Okay. Um, There may be some hard modes and other stuff like that, but you know, that's, that's for people to discover if it's there once, once they've beaten the game the first time. So (laughs) I like the, uh, the mystery you're shrouding here. Um, Okay. That makes sense. Uh, one question about adventure mode, just to clarify a little bit. So when you're saying that, you know, it'll be more of that point A to point B, um, how does that work with relation to, you know, finding those secrets that you might have in adventure mode or going back and, and using an item that you had to get later and come back to that level, right? Are you going to make it so that you still experience that or is it taking that piece away and just making it more streamlined? So we're kind of treating arcade mode as a sort of uh, pseudo challenge mode almost where Hmm. we have a score system and you're able to get different medals or rewards in the levels for whether it's speed or doing a target test, all that sort of stuff. So while you're not getting the adventure or exploratory aspect you're still getting kind of your own new way to interpret or explore the levels and gotcha after experiencing the speedrunners that we have on prodigal i expect that there will be an element of people trying to get as high a score as possible and figuring out the best route to do that okay all right so speedrun mode i like it very cool um, is this going to be something where, you know, you, you get those ranks, is there like a reward other than just being, Hey, we did the best. Is there some type of cosmetic thing? Is there some type of, you know, leaderboard? Like what is, what is another piece that really pushes people to try and be the best they can be? Right. Well, for the, the whole of the game, we, we did this in prodigal too. We have a feat system. So this is an in-game way of tracking, uh, achievements. So, mm-hmm. you know, you'll get them in steam, but you'll also get them in game. And in-game will have different rewards for that. Um, for this one, we're doing a similar thing to what we did in Prodigal, where you can set your main menu background. So you'll unlock different cool art pieces to set back there. That's cool. Uh, yeah. Additionally, you'll be able to set your preferred bell color palette. So if you would rather her be red than pink, you can unlock it and set it. If you want her to be green, 
you can do that too. <laughs> All right, nice. Um, that's good. At least there's, you know, that not just for those who obviously there's going to always be those people who just want to get to the top because they want to be the best. But for those who need a little bit extra emphasis or or push into that uh, direction, they might want to make uh, the character green, you know? Yeah, for um, sure. <laughs> let's talk about the uh, one of my final questions is is really around. Uh, and you kind of alluded to this, uh, but your deadline is is getting real close. Um, yes. At the time of this recording, it's about uh, a month or so out. Uh, I see on your Steam page that you have it for March 2022. Is that still the case? Like, how confident are you and how confident is the team on getting this out? So I was feeling already that it was going to be a little close. And that was why we hired the two additional pixel artists. Mm-hmm. But... Over the last week, Lou got sick and was unable to work. So Oof. I don't know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> one, one thing that I'm pretty consistent on is I'm not going to release something that's not ready or uh, yeah, that's good at least. that I think is bad. So if I have to do a ton of extra hours to fix it or get it ready in time, if it's possible, I'm definitely going to do that. But I don't know. We're yeah. gonna we're gonna keep people appraised of the situation as best we can, but yeah, we're we're trying. We're doing everything we can. <laughs> I yeah. understand, and that yeah, it's it's a real shame those kind of setbacks that you really can't always uh, plan for when someone randomly is is taken out from that development time. Obviously, that makes a big impact. We kind of set our deadlines up on the knife's edge, so we look at like if we push really hard can we pull this off within this timeline? And then we try. Uh, we did yeah, the same yeah, thing yeah. with Prodigal where we had the game start to finish in about eight months. So, Wow, okay, yeah. With this game, we're going to probably wind up around the same amount of development time, but... Wow, really? So this has only we'll been see. in development for about eight months or so now? Probably, yeah. Wow, okay. Well, that's... I mean, I, that's still an impressive timeline of getting those games out because, you know, you talk to some developers who have been working on their games for five plus years um, and you never know where they're at with it. So at least that is, you know, a, a good thing. How are you kind of um, reaching out to those those fans or communicating that? Is that just through like Steam posts, through Twitter? Like what is your way of we you know app- letting them know if this kind of thing does slip through the cracks and unfortunately because of the the concerns it has to roll later right we have a pretty active discord community um and you know they they at this point understand how we work because a lot of them came in from prodigal and watched us do the development on the uh post game updates and stuff like that so very cool um i don't think we really have much of a following that is pushing for it to be out right on time. And if it's not, they're going to be upset and mad at us. We're still right. trying because, you know, we said we'd get it out by the end of March and we're going to try our best to get out by the end of March. But yeah, I mean, that's all you can do, right? Yeah. 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 It's all, it's all we can do. And uh, we'll tell people the truth. And if it's not coming out, it's not coming out and we're going <laughs> to figure out what we need to do to get it there. Yeah, I get that. And it makes sense because, you know, it's a lot better because you have that community, right? I think they're probably going to be the ones who are the most understanding of this situation, obviously. And if you were to release a game that wasn't finished because you're just trying to hit that deadline, you might appease some of them and they might be okay with that and be like, 
well, we know they're going to fix it up and it'll get better and yada, yada. But for the majority of other people who, you know, anyone that doesn't know you from before and tries to pick that up right away, they're just going to think, wow, this game has so many problems. I don't want to be a part of this community or this, you yeah. know, developers cycle. So it, it just, it behooves you to say, we got to just wait and we got to make sure that this is right when it comes out. I think a lot of our pressure comes from, in terms of like quality for release as well as timeline for release. I think most of that pressure just comes from us because we set those goals for ourselves and we work hard to try and make them. Mm-hmm. So I think we're more disappointed than anybody else when we fail to hit a goal. Right, right. Well, I mean, you also have to be, you know, reasonable to the the idea that there are setbacks and not everything always goes 100% according to plan. So, oh, yeah, we've we've definitely learned that. <laughs> yeah. Um, what, what's the, what's the quote? No plan survives contact with the enemy. <laughs> truer, yeah. truer words have not been spoken. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's good that at least you have that foresight to kind of say that, Hey, there's a chance we don't hit that mark, but we're going to do everything we can to, to get there. Um, so I wish you luck on that. Uh, Thank obviously you. let's, let's talk about then, you know, what happens next? You mentioned something, uh, that happened with prodigal of, of, you know, having the base game and then content afterwards. Is that something you are, you know, uh, actively planning with this one as well? Yes. Um, we have at the very least one update we 100% need to do and plan to do. Hmm. Um, it's going to connect the stories of this game and Prodigal a little oh, more directly cool. than it already is. Um, and it will lead into whatever it is we may be doing next around that time we release it. So, Oh, interesting. Is this something where, uh, you know, for people who might not have been a part of Prodigal and are playing this one for the first time, are they going to miss out on something? Is this something where they should play one before the other type no. deal um so th- think think of it as two introductions right so there are two stories that are happening in the same like universe let's say so mm-hmm. you'll have a couple characters that cross over here and there or maybe some lore tidbits that you know in having heard in one game and then in the other you get some clarification but it's its own experience and story that you can enjoy and go through without any understanding or knowledge about prodigal gotcha okay all right. Well, uh, there you have it. Uh, it sounds like you don't have to play both of them, but uh, you still probably should because then you'll get uh, the best of both worlds. Um, I want to thank you once again for your time and for coming on. I know you're super busy and seemingly I feel like I'm just taking away from your time uh, now that I got through all these, these uh, you know, the potential issues you might have. So I feel a little bit bad about that. Oh, but- no, no, don't. No, no, not at all. <laughs> it's been it's been a pleasure hanging out. Uh it's fun to do these and you know, I got to take breaks at some point anyway. That's, right? that's true. You got to make sure you don't burn yourself out, especially when this deadline's coming up. Um, but I always like to wrap these up with just some advice, uh, which will be interesting, especially coming from the, the place that you're in right now. Um, for those listening who might, you know, want to be in your shoes, uh, as far as working on indie games or, you know, being the lead developer or however you want to take this, but like, what's some advice that you'd give yourself, uh, if you say five years ago wanted to say like, this will help you out doing this or, you know, being a part of this community or whatever it is, right. What do you think would be good advice for those trying to break their way into this space? 
uh, I would say two things. I'd say take it seriously and give yourself deadlines because with Xenocyte, that game has been my bane. It haunts me and I want to go back and finish it and it bothers me to no end. Um, but the main problem with that is I made a game and started building this thing that was way beyond what I could manage in a reasonable amount of time. Like even with my team now, we think it'll take us two years to finish it mm -hmm. to, because we're just going to overhaul the whole thing and fix it and bring it up to our level of quality. But, um, you hear all the time about these developers or indies that get into a game and, Oh, I've been working on it for four years or eight years or 10 years. And you can't, you, you can't do that. You only have so many years of your life. You gotta, yeah. you gotta figure out ways because the probability of your game being the next Undertale or uh, what's what's another good example? Star, Stardew Valley. Stardew Valley. Yeah, st something like that is so infinitesimally low. Uh -huh. You gotta, you gotta just keep growing, learning, getting stuff out there because there is no learning experience more humbling or educational than putting a game out. Yeah. So. Definitely would recommend it. <laughs> I love it. For those listening, Curse Crackers is currently in development. So if any of it sounded interesting, you got to go head over to their Steam page, wishlist the game, uh, you know, join their Discord. Um, they seemingly have a, a good community over there. So, you know, you might want to pop in there. If you like the game, you could also check out Prodigal, which is which is available to see if you kind of like their style or their storytelling. But um once again, uh, best of luck. I hope you can make that deadline. If not, uh, I hope it's sometime soon. But otherwise, best of luck on the game. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Take care. You too.